Welcome to Tapping Into What Matters, a CVR podcast where we sit down and chat with people like Rob Johansson. Rob, what matters to you? Putting yourself out there. Local actor Rob Johansson hails from New York, but has been living, working, and thriving in Indiana for years. Chances are you've seen him steal scenes in theaters across town, including the Phoenix, Fringe, and IRT. He's built a career putting himself out there on stage, but he joined our podcast to talk about how that mentality can be applied to anything by anyone. Rob, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. It's really good to see you. Um, I'll just get it out of the way now that we've done some shows together. So yep, it's out. We have a we have a past. We have a past, we and do. we'll try not to get too bitty here. No, <laughs> bitty like not old bitty, but doing bits. Yeah, not like a couple about. old bitties, which no. like we'll get there someday. I can't wait to be in a show with you when we're a couple old bitties. Oh, me too. I hope yeah. it's like a Golden Girls style thing. <laughs> I think you, we'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, yeah. Rob, you're here. You're at CVR. You've given us some of your time today. Which we know is invaluable. We know. <laughs> it's it's not valuable. You're right. You're right. Shoot. It um, isn't valuable. Um, it's unable to be valued. <laughs> because you believe yeah. that putting yourself out there matters. What do you mean by that? So as an actor, there's a phrase, you got to put yourself out there, which I hate. Um, because oh, so many actors feel like they have to, oh my God, I got to send postcards. I have to email these producers, all this, you know, put myself out there, that connotation. I don't Mm -hmm. mean that. Um, I'm always a fan that an actor is going to do, you do your work, you, you show up, you do your work, you do your work well. And if you do your work well, that will Baguette you more work. Baguette? Yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll baguette you it'll some baguette more. baguette you some more You'll work. get a baguette mm-hmm. and then you get more work. Yes. So I don't mean an actor's got to put himself out there. What I mean is people who are actors, plumbers, gardeners, whatever, the community you live in, I think it's important to put yourself out there. Um, and uh, I've been really fortunate. I've been a member of the Indianapolis community for – Oh, my God. If we start talking about years, we're going to compare ages, Meg, and I don't want to. So I'm just going to say I've been <laughs> I've been a professional actor in indie for 24 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Don't do the math. And um, I never do. Thanks. Over time, I've gotten to immerse myself in the acting community, and the people who come to theater have gotten to know me. And uh, as I've grown to fall deeper in love with the city of Indianapolis – I've decided I want to do more than just be somebody that somebody uh, on stage. I want to I want to put myself out there, and the way I've done it is uh, by working at the Humane Society on at 79th and Michigan in the Humane. Um, I also, and this is a, a sidebar, I make it a point to donate blood. Uh, platelets, actually. Ooh, so plate- that's the double arms, right? It used to be the double oh. arm thing. And they're so good now that it's a single arm. And what they do is, everybody don't get turned off by this. What oh they boy. do is they take your blood out mm-hmm. and they put it through a machine. The machine takes the platelets, which are the clotting factors in your blood. They allow your your blood to clot. Um, they take the platelets and then they put all the other stuff that, 
the platelet-less blood? The platelet-less blood. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a medical background, both Megan and yes, I. Yes, yes. So trust us. Well, that's trust a word, platelet-less blood. They put it back in you. Mm-hmm. So when it returns it, you kind of feel this weird cold rush in your arm. It's, it's a weird huh. sensation. But the cool thing is you can donate platelets. Um, I think when you donate whole blood, you can only do it once a month or maybe once yeah, every It's like every like 40 months. days or something, I something think. Something like that. Well, once again, we're doctors. We are so, doctors. Yeah. Please. Yes. Listen to us. This won't hurt a bit. Yeah, don't. Uh, but platelets, you can do. I do it. I try to do it once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think you can do it once a week, but it. I, I tried doing it every week, and it jacked me up a little bit. Like it kind mm-hmm. of. I actually felt a little depressed after it. Mm-hmm. So I, st- mm-hmm. I. Every two weeks is awesome. Yeah. So bring that up because I happened to donate blood one time. And I went back to IRT, where, which is the place where I've earned most of my acting living uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana Repertory Theater. And a friend of mine had just recovered from leukemia. She saw m- me with my little wrap around my arm and she said, did you just donate blood? And I said, yeah. And she started crying. And she said, people like you literally saved my life. And she gave me a hug and... We both like cried a little bit and it was such a personal punch in the face to me. Not that's no, that's well, not Well, you saw true. the reality of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a very pleasant punch in the face. It, it was, was like a, a, it was like a little gentle slap. Yeah. And I thought this is why you do it. And I was lucky enough to to have a personal interaction with somebody who'd been touched by it. And I made the decision then and there, I'm doing that every two weeks. I've gotten to know Meg, it's so cool. I am now friends with people who work in the blood center, mm-hmm. people who donate, I see all the time. Um, I've div- And then my animal work, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I have a community there of like-minded people who, who really care about these beings that need our help. Um, and I, I have a whole different set of of community that I love. Um, I, I consider my animal work my second career. And there, mm-hmm. there have been times, I know I've talked to you backstage <laughs> about this sometimes. I'm like, I'm in the wrong field. I should just be taking care of animals, mm-hmm. you know? And then I go, oh my God, that that's, would... That's a, it's, it sounds great, but then when you get the harsh realities every day, that'd be, that'd be a lot of work. Yeah, doing Those a, people are great, but whew. It's hard. I yeah. do, and the people that do... Do-do, which we deal a lot with. Um, The people who do it all the time, they can, even the volunteers, there's a burnout ratio to it. So you have to know when to step away. When I do a four-hour shift there, when I go to my car, I am spent. Yeah. So you, you, you need to know your limitations. Yeah. Well, and that's just, those two are like, you've kind of said these communities you found and stumbled into just through things you're already interested in. Can we talk a little bit, give, uh, give those listening at home, maybe who aren't 100% aware, a little bit about your background. Your, where are you from? How'd you get to Indy? And uh, tell us more about your day job. So I, <laughs> I went, uh, I'm from New York and I had never been to the Midwest. And when it came time after I graduated from undergrad, I was really drifting. Never, ever thought that I could make a living as an actor, ever. Did you study acting as an undergrad? I started out in communications. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I wanted to be a cameraman. I thought it was really cool. I would uh, I'd, I'd do camera for sporting events. Um, I'm a hockey player, too. So I would be camera for a hockey game. And I think that was great. Um, 
But every time I was in a class where I was supposed to learn the mechanics of a camera, they needed somebody to be in front of the camera. Uh And because I'm an idiot, they were like, put the idiot up there and make him crack jokes. Oh, my God. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I kept getting in front. (laughs) And literally the professor, Steve Cato, I remember this guy. I was like, Professor Cato, sometime I need to learn how to operate the camera. And he was like, yeah, we'll get to it. Just get up there and do the news. You know, (laughs) pretend you're doing the news. So that was a little flag going, yeah, maybe I should pursue being in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, halfway through my undergrad, I got, I decided I'll do a theater major and a communications major. And I graduated thinking that was fun. Now I have to get a real job. Mm-hmm. And I got the worst job I've ever held in my life. Mm-hmm. Um Working in supermarkets where every day I went to a different supermarket and made sure the ragu was properly displayed. And oh, um, wow. I I uh, I wanted to um, just go to sleep and never wake up. It was horrible. <laughs> it was the worst job I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, this is what you do. This is it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I heard about grad schools mm-hmm. that – could actually pay you to go to grad school and act and teach acting. And I thought, this would put off having to have a real job for a few more years. (laughs) Let me try it. I auditioned and I got an offer from IU. Hoosiers. Hoosiers, Rutgers, and Penn State. Oh, wow. Now, back in that time, this was last century, um, (laughs) Rutgers and Penn State had a really big reputation. IU had a decent reputation, but Rutgers, especially Mm -hmm. Rutgers, people were like, oh my God, Rob got into Rutgers. He's going to Rutgers for acting. Mm -hmm. I interviewed with the people from Rutgers, Penn State, and IU. I don't think I spoke in the interview in Rutgers. Mm -hmm. It was not a conversation like we're having. I'm sorry, I'm not letting you talk a lot. No, it's okay. I'm I'm fascinated. Okay. (laughs) I can see it in your eyes. You guys can't see it at home, but she's They're sparkling. Riveted. I left the Rutgers interview like that sucked. Yeah. For me. I'm sure a lot of people did great in Rutgers. They probably couldn't wait for you to start classes. And then there you go being like, (laughs) nope, this sucked. This sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But literally, I was just talked to at the interview. And I thought, I will not flourish there. Penn State was better. Mm -hmm. But when I came to IU, I actually, this was baby's first business trip. I was like, <laughs> I am going to book a flight and rent a car. And I'm, I flew into Indianapolis, drove down to Bloomington, and I was all excited. I was like, I'm so grown up. I'm in my 20s, and I took a business trip. I talked to those people at IU, mm-hmm. and I felt like I would matter there. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided I'm going to move. I moved out of the East Coast. I came here. Three years there, and once again, I was like, well, that was buying buying time before I had to get a real job. But when you put yourself out there- Nice way to bring it back. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, we're coming back. When you put your best self out, and I busted my butt in grad school. I was like, I'm going to get every moment I can out of this. I was in every play I could do. I was in every directing project I could do. Uh, I I learned Tai Chi and began teaching Tai Chi down there. It was just, I did everything. My last semester, I did this uh, competition called the National Society of Arts and Letters. It was an acting competition. And um, there are 30 local chapters throughout the country. And I uh, competed in Bloomington and I won. 
And that meant that I got to go to the nationals in San Antonio and compete there. And I was, I got to say, I won that competition. I won the national competition. Just walked away with it. Yeah. And um, I, I'm convinced that was also the year the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup. And I'm a huge fan. And I was convinced, <laughs> and I still am, that if I performed well, the Rangers would do well. And the proof is they won the cup and I won the competition. So boom. Um <laughs> I had been trying to get introduced or meet somebody from the Indiana Repertory Theater all during my time at IU. And this is what I mean, putting yourself out there. As luck would have it, one of the judges in this national competition was a woman named Libby Apple, who was the head of IRT in the 90s. I didn't meet her because she was a judge. Mm -hmm. After the competition which I won. And mm -hmm. I met the judges, like I shook their hands. Mm -hmm. Did I mention I won that? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I got to like shake the hands of the judges mm -hmm. and, oh, and this is Libby Apple, head of IRT. And I was like, you're kidding me. And she, obviously the three judges liked my work. So mm -hmm, I was like, right. oh, that's nice. She saw me. Luck, as I'm getting on the plane from San Antonio to Indianapolis, who am I seated next to? Oh my God. Libby Apple. And here's the great thing. We, she was like, well, look at who I get to sit next to. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I had a, <laughs> I had a moment of like, oh, this is the head of a theater mm -hmm. and I'm an actor. Something clicked between the two of us. The entire flight home, we talked and it was not about acting. It was about life. It was about relationships. It was about Indianapolis. It was about New York. Um, I, I think love of dogs were in there. Of course. Um, she was going through some big life stuff. I was, go and it was great. Yeah. We landed mm -hmm. and she said, Rob, this was so much fun. You know, if you ever want to work at IRT, you should come up and just, you know, audition for us. And I was like, that, that's a good idea. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. I, oh, really? Okay, I'll do that. And the cool thing was during the flight, I really wasn't thinking too much about that. Mm -hmm. We were just two human beings having a really nice time. Yeah. I really believe, just like I believe I helped the Rangers win the cup, mm -hmm. things align for people all the time. There's mm -hmm. always opportunities for you. And you have to do your best, even when no one's watching, mm -hmm. do your best and the opportunities when they come are going to spark for you. Not only did you put yourself out there and execute your craft well, you know, not knowing who was really, I mean, I guess you would have known the judges. Did you know no, who they were? Uh, no, I didn't at the until, time. Yeah, yeah. Until the end, until you won it. Did I win? Yeah, you won. <gasps> oh my God, I'm so happy. I am so happy for you oh, too. Oh, I had been waiting to God, hear. God, I know. But even then, like you said, you had that moment of, oh my God, I'm an actor and this is the head of a theater. But then you can just, you had to stuff that down and just be like, well, I'm just going to be Rob and talk to this person. Because I think a lot of times it's really easy to get caught up with that, especially when, you know, you're not even just like new in a career, but just meeting someone for the first time or, oh, this person's a so-and-so. And it's like, no yeah. one really, I mean, most people who have a big head about those things aren't really going to work, help you out anyway, you know? Yeah. And, and our craft has such a stigma of, the negative connotation, ah, I got to put myself out there, mm -hmm. a little song and dance, rah, you mm -hmm. know? And I just honestly think if, if, if you do your job, well, good things will happen. And you know what? Crappy things will happen too. As right. we, we all know that. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to roll with it. 
and just keep doing a good job mm-hmm. and uh, try and let your work speak for itself. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the fact that you've learned so many things like that and that you're so good at giving back, I feel like in the theater community, at least when you you know hang out with dummies like me, like... My favorite thing to do <laughs> is hang out with dummies like you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. But it's even, I think the first time I did a show with you, I was like, is that Rob Johansson? <laughs> the guy from IRT? Yeah. Like, what? And it's just, and you're just a very warm and genuine and open person, which I think is, puts a lot of people at ease, uh-huh. which is like a nice thing when you're doing something um, ridiculous, like putting yourself out there, you know? Right back at you, you know? <sighs> Yes. You know, we have done a few shows together, and uh, the thing that freaks me out—it's—it's it's cool. But as as I get older and keep going in this profession, I always view like when when I work with Defiance, I'm like, oh, I'm with my peers, and I know there's a little bit of an age gap. And I think the one time you mentioned, you're like, well, I started I started knowing you when you were playing Bob Cratchit, and I was in elementary school. Yeah, probably and, like third grade. Oh, that gets a little weird. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. That's yeah. all right. I yeah. I stay in the gym and and keep young that way. Yeah, you're young. You're young. You're young oh, at heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring that up. But I know. You I did. thought I'd bring it up. Well, that's no, okay. That's all right. That's kind of something that's interesting about the Indianapolis like art scene in general. Mm-hmm. There's and this is something that I think you probably have seen way better. I even. For me, I feel like I've been around it since like high school and then I was gone and I came back and um, so much has changed and there's so much that's cool. There's so many options. Like mm-hmm. I feel like when I was younger, the only place I felt like we were supposed to go to see a show was IRT. Not anything wrong with that because it's great. But sure. It was like now there's all these options. A lot of options. And I think one of the things when I graduated from IU, I did not anticipate being able to live in this city. I didn't, even though I'm from New York, I never wanted to live in a big city. Mm-hmm. Like I did Chicago for a while and I love Chicago, but it's that, it's that grind of like, okay, I have to leave my apartment. I have to go do two things and it's going to take me an hour to get to the first thing. And then two hours to, you know, it, right. it, that can be yeah. a grind, which some people love and it wore me out. Mm-hmm. Um, so this city, I like the size of it. I like the space of it. Um, I like that I... I bought a house in Hawville mm-hmm. um, years ago on an actor salary, and there were so many friends, co-actors of uh, of mine from New York and Chicago that were like, "Wait, you own a house? <laughs> you own? Yeah. yeah, what?" And then they come over. They're like, "This is the greatest thing." And I knew people in their fifties who were still living, you know, month to month, uh, paying crazy amounts of rent mm-hmm. and as it, actors, as, as mm-hmm. actors, yeah, in, in New York and Chicago. So. Uh, this just, I liked the quality of life here. Um, and I also liked the fact that I felt like I was a pioneer in a way. Uh, like there were a handful of us that were making their living as an actor, really just a handful. And that number has grown over the years. I also am really proud of the fact that I was one of the members of the the first company called Shadow Ape that was kind of a, a, an offshoot. You know, we had the Phoenix Theater uh, and IRT mm-hmm. back in the 90s, mm-hmm. and they were really the professional entities. Mm-hmm. 
I know there's going to be a few people that go, what about, and fill in the blank. And for those, if I'm forgetting, you know, I apologize. But We've already established that you're a mature gentleman. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. Maybe they slipped your mind. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Did I take my meds before this? I don't know. That's fine. I'll check my pillbox. It'll be fine. (laughs) Um, But anyway, oh, and there was beefing boards too. There's mm -hmm. one I forgot. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. But now there are more professional groups and Shadow Ape was a, a group of six professionals that worked large that, that taught at some th- uh, high schools and universities, worked at IRT, worked at the Phoenix. And then when summer came around, this group of six were like, what is not getting done in town? And what do we want to do? So we would sometimes take a play and stage it. And sometimes we would take a book and make a play out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we flourished for 13 years and really had a ball. And I think that was a gateway for other companies like No Exit, maybe like Defiance Comedy um, to come to fruition. Yeah. Well, even like the Indie Fringe Festival, it's yeah. 15 years old now. I think I think they've just like celebrated that. 15 years and it's it's one of those things, I think. Uh, sorry, I'm everybody. I'm looking at your producer and she does not know the I, answer. Well, I know. I, God, I'm fired. We count on Can her for that. <laughs> Noah, what are you going to do? Um, but even that, like, I mean, that was one of those things I remember – because I think I was in high school when it became this thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, it's like a bunch of, of you know, fringe or weird <laughs> plays. And you were you didn't know what that meant. Because I feel like growing up in Indy, it was like the Phoenix is where you went to see something a little left of center, yep. if not way left of center. Yeah. IRT is where you go see something classic. Yep. Beef and Boards is where you go and eat while you watch something cool. <laughs> like, which was all good things. These are all good things. But it was yeah. just like this. I remember like that kind of being a thing. I, I'm sure I, when I was younger, I'm sure I would not have been allowed to go to something like Shadow Ape, you know, like, I don't know what is, but I'm <laughs> what sure. You, that thing will ruin your yeah, mind. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been like, mm, let's wait on that, you know, <laughs> but like, um, I mean, comedy sports has been around forever too, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things like that, those are, there's just very specific types. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like anymore, I can't believe the number of shows and just events. You could go to two different shows, I think like every night of the week, it feels like anymore. Yeah. We, and we've got, uh, you know, fri- I'll, I'll speak to two things. Fri- I have been a part of Indie Fringe for a bunch of years, with, both with Shadow Ape and then with Defiance Comedy. Um, I also had the good fortune to do a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which mm-hmm. is like the, the original, first right? Fringe Festival. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. Doesn't have to be anybody else's. Oh, boy. Our Fringe Festival kicks Edinburgh right in the tuchus. Oh, that's the pull quote. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my bumper sticker. Here's why I say that, and, and I'm sure there's a big counterpoint to this. Mm-hmm. There's so many shows in Edinburgh that you walk down the street and you're trying to hand out your pamphlet to somebody who's trying to hand you their pamphlet. Mm-hmm. It's largely people performing. Um the audience, for me anyway, got really saturated. I did a, mm-hmm. I did a one-man show there, mm-hmm. and there were two separate nights. I did it for two people. Just yeah. two period two people, period. Two people, yep. Were they both performers too? Uh, or does it matter? Okay, here's here's the story. One one <laughs> night it was my wife's parents. <laughs> hey, thanks, in-laws. <laughs> yeah, suck it up. You got to listen to me for 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> So, so the the indie fringe 
I think has an, a built-in audience. Mm-hmm. The publicity is amazing. The first year Shadow Ape did a Fringe Festival show, we were on the cover of the Indianapolis Star. What the heck? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the publicity for the Fringe is amazing. And we know mm-hmm. with Defiance, we mm-hmm. always have a lot of good uh, right. butts in the seats. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, and I will also speak to now, nowadays in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Please tell me, old timer. <laughs> Pull up a seat, young whippersnapper, and I will regale you. Now we have these theater companies like Summit, which is, is tells women's stories. And they, I, they've now produced three shows. Mm-hmm. I believe three shows. They're brilliant. They're brilliant shows. Mm-hmm. And I, I th- think they're mostly, uh, they almost always are at the Phoenix Theater. Those shows are brilliant. Everybody should go see them. Um, the Fonseca Theater Company now, Brian Fonseca, who used to head the Phoenix Theater, has now opened a theater in Hallville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, on the west side, not an area of town that used to be known for its arts. Um, and now here we are with this really cool, I think it seats 88 people. It's this great little space. It's brand new, though, state of the art. Um, and the thing I love, Brian is doing shows. So we have Summit doing women's stories. Brian's doing shows that showcase um, – it's not, if I may – it's not about straight white guys, yeah. you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, I might... It, it's huge diversity over there. And it's like, yeah. you know, from the playwrights, the producers, to directors, everything over there is very... It's like... It's lovely. Yeah. What I love about that is not only is he telling stories that haven't had a lot of voice to our theatrical community, mm-hmm. he is developing a new, um, a new stable of actors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and this is, I really want people to hear this. If you haven't been to the Fonseca Theater Company, go and show them your support. Learn stories that you haven't heard from IRT uh, or the Phoenix and recognize, and I'm going to use a sports analogy. <laughs> Brian is building an expansion club right now. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when you build a new team, it takes a few years before they become um, maybe as seasoned as some other teams. The stories are great, mm-hmm. but he's finding people who may not have done a play before or did it in grade school. Mm-hmm. They're not pers- they haven't been pursuing it as a career because there hasn't been an avenue for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, for instance, I, I saw a show called The Brothers Paranormal there. I think it was the first show I'd seen in their space. The two leads were two Filipino men. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we've got so many of them in our acting community right, here, right? right? We don't. That's the joke. Um, <laughs> and so Brian had to find people to fill those roles. Mm-hmm. He found one man who had done shows uh, – I, I've worked with him, um, Ian Cruz. He's done a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. The other – guy who carried the load of the dialogue in the show, I think it was his first play. So the audience has to recognize, okay, you might f- see some um, rookie discoveries on stage. Mm-hmm. That's part of the magic of this. Right. That's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. You're seeing something on the ground floor. Now, uh, um, you, you, and you, the hope is that you're going to come back there in five years and see that same guy. And now he's done 10 plays mm-hmm. and he is more seasoned. So you're mm-hmm. seeing something grow. Yeah. So I think an audience, if you're, if you're an IRT, if you're used to going to IRT, 
um, and you come to, to the Phoenix Theater uh, or, and, and the Fonseca Theater, you just recognize there are different things happening mm-hmm. and enjoy the growth that's happening. Right. That's really reflecting more of our community anyway. You know, it's like that's, that's, right. that's really reflective, I think, of what what we really are, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. whether especially whether it's, you know, like. Uh, from women's stories or, you know, LGBTQ stories, mm-hmm. I, there's all these different kinds of avenues and I'm really glad to see them getting a place to, to, to tell their stories, you know, um, cause who better to tell stories than the people themselves, right? That's right. As part of like putting yourself out there, Rob, what do you think is the most putting yourself out there thing you have done? Um, work at the Humane Society. That's, mm-hmm. that's my jam. Um, uh, when I acted a show at IRT, I love doing every post-show discussion I can. Uh, when Christmas Carol happens, I go into the lobby to take donations. It's always fun to meet people. So in that way, reaching out to the community because the community reaches out to me and I feel I, I love that relationship. But beyond that, um, I started volunteering at the Humane Society in 2013 Um I have become somebody who works with animals that are not yet ready to be adopted, with dogs that are not ready to be adopted, who might have some behavioral issues mm-hmm. that need to that need to be figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and with each one of them, that begins from a place where they're almost a feral animal, mm-hmm. where they can't be touched, they can't be approached. That's not the case with all of them, but those are the extreme cases mm-hmm. that. When they graduate to becoming my friend, earning my trust, earning the shelter's trust, and then you see them go off to uh, live a great life with a family, and I get to see that almost on a daily basis. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Um, And that's another – talk about like a a, a symbiotic, is that Mm -hmm. symbiotic relationship? That's right. We're we're also English scholars as (laughs) well as doctors. Yes, Yes, we are. Oh, my monocle fell out. I'll put it back in. Please. Um, it's embarrassing. To recognize that that place, uh, there are plenty of animals that are lonely, that are in kennels, just waiting for some some interaction. Sometimes they're in a kennel for you know twenty hours a day. The time that I can give to them gives them hope. But I have to say that place, when I've been in some dark places in my life, the Humane Society literally has saved my life. Um, I like we all go through tough times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say I started volunteering there in maybe 2012. Anyway, 2013 was a bad year for old, mm-hmm. old Robbie Cakes. Mm-hmm. Bad year, <laughs> real bad year. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have the shelter, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where I'd be right now. It it mm-hmm. really was a saving grace for me. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think um, if people are worried like, oh, I don't have time or I'm worried about putting myself out there to volunteer mm-hmm. – it's not, I don't think it's as hard as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I'm not saying everybody should come to the shelter, but it's a great place. <laughs> but find your place to put yourself out there. Um, it's, once you start doing it, it is nowhere near as daunting as you think. Mm-hmm. There's always time for it. No matter how busy you are, there's mm-hmm. always time for it. Um, and it will fill you up. And think about this. I'll go back to blood donation. I think there's some stat that says about 2% of all the people that can donate do. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. If, if, if that number went up to you know 80% of the people that can donate do, would we have a blood shortage? Probably not. A lot of people think, oh, I can't volunteer at the animal shelter because all those animals are so lonely and oh, it would be so depressing. Well, what if everybody did it? Mm-hmm. Then it wouldn't be lonely. It'd be a, yeah. the community would grow. So- 
put yourself out there. Other people will do it. Just it's great to have that cycle go towards, yeah, go out and, and embrace your community. Wow, Aww. Kelly's tearing up over here. Rob, thank you so much for being with us today. I learned a lot about you, and <laughs> I've known you for a couple of years now, and I'm, I've seen you on stage for decades. Oh, but, my God. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad your parents started to bring you IRT right after you'd gotten potty trained. It's great. Yeah, they were like, as soon as she can sit through a play and not need a diaper change, we're taking her. So um, I guess I'm thankful for that, too. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, Next time I'll interview you. Please. Right. We'll have a flip. Okay. All right. Thanks, Rob. No problem. I'm Meg McLean, and this has been Tapping Into What Matters with Rob Johansson. Learn how you can put yourself out there for animals at IndieHumane.org or support local theater by attending a live performance at any of the amazing theaters in town. This podcast is a CVR production located at the corner of New York and College. If you would like to know more about CVR or are interested in joining us on this podcast to discuss what matters to you, please reach out to Kelly Young at kyoung at cvrindy.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Tapping Into What Matters. Thank you.